1: No, sir, not Linda Swain in with you here today. Uh, Richard Duggan filling in for Linda, and uh, we're going to have Brian Callahan filling in for the re- uh, rest of the week after today. Linda is off on vacation, and let me tell you, that is well deserved on her part. And we hope she has a great week off. But now in the news today, my gosh, there's a lot of uh items going on that we are going to be looking at over the next hour or so here on news talk we'll take you back to the association of seafood producers they held a news conference earlier today to respond to some of the issues regarding the price that has been set for snow crab and of course we've been hearing um, about that a lot over the last couple of weeks in fact i uh, even attended a protest uh, that was held at confederation building last week uh, organized by the FFAW. uh in which they were calling for fairness in the fishery. Um, But at that news conference today, the ASP is saying that, well... They're not going to be going for a fall fishery. It's now or never, which has to be concerning for producers because, of course, we're already eating into that current season. So we'll hear from uh, executive director uh, of the ASP on that topic a little bit later as well. Um, we're trying, hopefully, to get uh, Greg pretty head of the FFAW, to give us a call on the program as well to get their side and... Uh, get their reaction to what the ASP was saying earlier today. Uh, Also on today's program, we're going to be speaking with co-president of the Psychology Association, uh, Dr. Janine Hubbard. If you remember last year, uh, they sounded the alarm over what they were calling a significant exodus of psychologists uh, from the province and what that could mean. They provide an update with some new numbers. I'll speak with Dr. Hubbard coming up here on News Talk. And this is a cool one. Uh, I did an interview earlier today. Uh, St. John's Improv is celebrating one year of their flagship show coming up this weekend. It's called The Jam Jam's Jam. Uh, it features a rotation of improvisers making up scenes on the spot inspired by music of a specific theme. In the last half of the show, audience members even get to go up on stage uh, if they put their name in the bucket, and they'll have a chance to get on stage and even perform with some of those improvisers. And... Uh, Very fun interview I did earlier today with Rayanne Langdon. She's one of those improvisers. Uh, We'll have that for you coming up on the show as well. Also, other things that we're going to be uh, keeping an eye on, um, the PSAC strike, of course, uh, that has been top of mind for a lot of people over the last couple of days. Uh, So if there are any developments there, we will have those for you within the next hour. Um, They moved some of their picket lines today to some key locations, uh, so we are keeping an eye on that. And as well, we'll have any other breaking news uh, that comes our way within the next hour or now. And certainly, if you want to chime in as well, we welcome you to do so. The number to call in the St. John's Metro region is... 709-273-5211, 709-273-5211, or you can give us a ring long distance, one 590 8626 and uh, if you hear anything that you want to chime in on on today's program, you can certainly do so there. But to start, there's a movie premiere that's happening tonight. Peter Pan and Wendy, many of the scenes of which were shot right here in Newfoundland and Labrador, is premiering at the Avalon Mall. I've seen the trailer. It looks pretty good. VOCM's Noah Shepard will be covering that for us here at VOCM News. They're holding like a red carpet event tonight, uh, and he joins me now. Hello, Noah. Hello, Richard. How's it going? I am doing great, and of course, you're going to have a very exciting evening uh, coming up. Uh, Tell us about what's happening.
2: Yeah, so as you mentioned there, it's a bit of a red carpet event. Uh, rivals are going to begin around 6 o'clock to the uh, cinema at the Avalon Mall, the uh, Scotiabank Theater. Um, and there will be some names there. Uh, of course, Premier Andrew Fury will be there. Government gave a uh, a fairly big tax rebate on this, 30% rebate. And um, I can remember from a little while ago when Son of a Critch was still producing its first season. Uh, that's something that uh, Malcolm McDowell mentioned specifically about about uh, something that's really good in the film industry here, is that tax cut is what's attracting a lot of bigger productions. Of course, this is probably the biggest production, so Premier Andrew Fury will be there, Uh, chair of the board of Newfoundland and Labrador Film Development Corporation, Mark Sexton, who will be walking the red carpet, and the producer of Peter Pan and Wendy, Jim
1: Whittaker. So it's going to be a a fun night full of uh, a couple stars there. Absolutely. The stars are coming out for this one, no doubt about it. Um, and Noah, I, w- I wanted to touch on it a little bit because you're an actor. I don't know if many people uh, listening to the station would know that or not, but you're in this industry. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on what, what it means to have such a big production like Peter Pan uh, come to this province.
2: Well, I think it's uh I think it's more of a sign of great things to come. That's something that we've really seen over the last couple of years. You know, I think there's four or five TV shows shooting here full time. Uh, you have now this uh, new program happening down at uh, College of the North Atlantic, trying to get more industry professionals into the industry quickly. That's the goal of that program. And uh, yeah, uh, something like Disney, a sub- uh, big, you know recognizable name, just possibly the biggest film company on earth coming here and shooting, it's a good sign of things to come and it shows that there's faith in the industry and there's potential in the industry here. Like I mentioned before, the tax cut is really attractive and that's something that has been extended in the provincial budget. There's been uh, a little more funding going into sort of supporting the film industry. So uh, it's something that this uh, government has definitely shown interest in and something that has seen growth behind this, uh, uh, growth behind this government. So I think it's uh, it's definitely a good sign, good potential. Uh, we've heard a couple times of just uh, companies who have shown interest. Maybe things haven't worked out, but we've heard names like Amazon thrown around for Amazon Prime. So the fact that now as well streaming is coming here with Disney Plus uh, shooting, uh, it's a, it's a good sign of things to come.
1: Are you hearing of much of a buzz among uh, other actors and actresses in the province, uh, g- given that uh, you know such a big production was happening here, and there is this, I guess, focus being put on Newfoundland and Labrador?
2: Absolutely. Well, just uh, from where where I'm sitting, a lot of uh, a lot of my colleagues in that industry who may not be uh, super well known at this point. Uh, this even creates regular jobs for them in the way that it doesn't matter if they're starring in the movie or not. If they're acting, there could be uh, there could be extra positions, which that's a full day, full day's work pays well. And then there's uh, things, especially uh, people getting their ACTRA union status to be considered for more projects. And like I mentioned, the College of the North Atlantic program with big shoots like this, it gives them a reason to keep going and. It allows this province to train its own professionals, meaning film crews don't have to be flown in from Ontario. So it's giving those people a lot of an opportunity now. So there is a lot of faith and uh, there's a good feeling in the film industry and the arts industry in general in this
1: province, I would say, uh, coming out of COVID-19. There you go. VOCM's Noah Shepard will be covering that event for us tonight. And, of course, you can hear more um, from this red carpet affair uh, tomorrow morning on the VOCM Morning Show. Noah, thank you for this. Thank you, Richard. And there you have it. VOCM's Noah Shepard will be down at the Avalon Mall covering that red carpet affair for us uh, here on VOCM. And, again, like I said, you know, it, it always blows my mind, you um, to see the scenery of Newfoundland and Labrador um, in film and in all of these different productions. we I mean, know Noah mentioned some of it there, you know, and even dating back to, you know, Republic of Doyle and some of these other productions and now Son of a Critch, um, you know, it, it really just blows my mind to see that scenery um, on such a grand stage, and I don't know about anybody else, but whenever I see it, like I was watching the the uh, the trailer for Peter Pan and Wendy, and at one point, I, there, there's a scene on a beach, and I remember looking at the screen as I was watching that, and 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 thinking, I know where that is. I know exactly where that is, and. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but I think that that um, is really cool. And if you want to chime in about Peter Pan and Wendy, have you seen the trailer? Are you excited for it? Give us a call here on News Talk, and we can definitely talk about it. All right, we're going to head to our first break of the day here on the program. When we come back, uh, we're going to take you back to the Association of Seafood Producers and their news conference earlier today about the whole controversy that's been going on in the last little while about the price of crab. We'll have that for you coming up next.
0: You're busy, but you'll never be uninformed. Get up to date on the way home. The Drive on your VOCM.
1: And welcome back to the program here on your VOCM. This is News Talk. I'm Richard Duggan filling in for Linda Swain today. And let's get right to it now. The companies who process the fish say it's time for the crab fishery to start. The Association of Seafood Producers says it will not negotiate further on price. The minimum price is $2.20 per pound as the bottom has dropped out of the market over the past year, so they say. Government wants the association and FFAW to go back to the table, but fish buyers say... Uh, that is not on as the price has been set. VOCM's Brian Medore was at a news conference this morning with Association of Seafood Producers Executive
3: Director Jeff Loader. Here's what he had to say. We've reached a point uh, in this process this year related to the snow crab fishery that our membership felt it was appropriate uh, for us to communicate uh, in a, a couple of important uh, pieces of information. Uh, The first uh, position that we would like to communicate is that we will not be negotiating uh, a minimum price outside the legal framework that has been set in Newfoundland and Labrador for establishing minimum prices uh, and formulas and other prices depending on on the species. Uh, Last year uh, there was a process undertaken by the government of Newfoundland and Labrador to uh, uh, make changes to the process uh, to ensure there was independence, uh, impartiality, uh, objectivity, and that the panel uh, itself would work as it should uh, in a quasi-judicial manner. We are very pleased with the price-setting panel process this year. There have been three uh, different processes to date. Uh, I will not be commenting on anything that occurred once a panel uh, became seized with a particular species uh, as is uh, consistent with the rules and procedures but we are as an industry uh, uh, happy that uh, it is what it's supposed to be. So I would like to acknowledge the fact that the decisions, policy decisions made by government are working in terms of establishing uh, uh, independence. Uh, given the very difficult and important issues that the panel has to weigh. Uh, That's the first uh, 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 point. The second point I would like to make is that we are always available to discuss issues outside of that which has been set and established through the uh, formal process. This is a very challenging year. There are many issues that still need to be discussed, including how do we structure a fishery with increased quota in a condensed time frame. Uh, if a season is continues to be delayed, those uh, issues become even more important. It will take uh, uh, time uh, to make sure that when the fishery starts, there's a fair fishery, in terms of uh, the the non-NASCAR model, which has been referenced uh, in the public commentary around uh, uh, the snow crab fishery uh, this year, Uh, we're in a delicate competitive position as producers. Uh, We need product of the highest quality, and we need to have uh, market stability through the season. We need to know how much uh, raw material is coming in, and we need to be able to have some control over the way that that process works. Uh, This has been discussed publicly by both ASP and the FFAW, and I look forward to having those conversations, uh, both with the FFAW but also with the province and DFO who play a regulatory role when it comes to things like trip limits uh, uh, and so forth. There's also been... um, some commentary uh, out there related to a fall fishery, and I would like to uh, make a very clear statement uh, on that issue. Uh, Newfoundland and Labrador uh, crab producers will not be buying snow crab in the fall of 2023 under any circumstances. Uh, the solution in, drop, in dropping prices in a market where prices are dropping is not to condense a fishery at the time of the year when your product is in its least best form. Fishing in the fall introduces various quality issues our grading system would need to be changed to deal with things like new hard shell and we will have a free for all of product coming in at the end of the year creating inventory that will lead into next year when the primary sales season which is started now and runs through September is over. So we felt it was important given that we are talking about uh, the most important industry in this province from our perspective. We are talking about people's lives. Um, We are at a point as producers where we are starting to look at what is going to have to happen if the snow crab fishery doesn't begin immediately. Uh, We cannot employ people and we cannot pay wages uh, when we do not have product coming into plants. And we employ uh, you know, roughly 5,000 people in plants in this province. Uh, we need raw material to get those plants going and to have any chance to compete with our competitors in Atlantic Canada who are all fishing in Quebec, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and PEI at $2.25 a pound in one particular case because this has been reported publicly uh, in Zone 16 uh, in Quebec uh, there was a disagreement between producers and harvesters that ended up in court they have a, a, a kind of a similar system to the way it works in Newfoundland but even it's even more regulated and a, and a judge decided uh, because he had to given the way that their market agreements work apply their formula they use year after year Last year, uh, uh, it's in their agreement, it says, it's similar to a lot of sort of HR uh, wage agreements and things, it says, uh, if you don't find a new agreement, last year's agreement applies. So that particular individual uh, came up with a price of 310 and then that was reported into the media. It was used as evidence to suggest that uh, uh, 310 is a, a reasonable price, uh, and that uh, is a uh, couldn't be further from uh, uh, from the truth. Harvesters in zone 16 have decided to go fishing for 225 despite that decision because they understand where the market is. They did get a guarantee is my understanding that the price won't go below 225 in order to start the fishery there. But there is unanimous recognition across the entire snow crab industry in Canada that the market has collapsed. Prices need to reflect that. Any business in this province should not be expected to pay for raw material that goes into a finished product you're selling into market at costs above that, which you could ever get into the market at this time. Snow crab is not selling. Uh, There's a glut in inventory. This has all been very well documented by industry experts. Uh, And what is happening now in Newfoundland and Labrador is we're wasting every single day that we are not fishing. We are compounding the complexities and the difficulties associated with the snow crab fishery.
1: And there you have it. That was uh, ASP Executive Director Jeff Loader um, at that news conference that was set earlier today by the Association of Seafood Producers uh, talking about the ongoing issues regarding the price of snow crab here in the province. Of course, that was set at uh, two twenty dollars per pound and uh, lots of fish harvesters not happy with that price, so uh, he's weighing in on that. Um, I understand that we will be talking with uh, FFAW President Greg Pretty uh, just after the 4.30 news. Um, so, it'll be interesting now to hear his reply um, to what the ASP has to say. Now, we've got a couple of minutes to go before the news, um, so I wanted to squeeze in the Gander Weather Office here now because I was looking at some of the temperatures going across the province, um, and it seems like there's a little bit of a divide going on. Um, in St. John's, uh, the next couple of days are rainy, drizzly. Not exactly the warmest. Uh, moving on to into Central, same thing. But, man, if you look over in Cornerbrook, the sun is shining. Uh, some pretty warm temperatures over there as well as o- uh, up in Labrador as well. Again, man, some really warm temperatures in the, pro- in the forecast there. So um, I got the Gander Weather Office on with me now to discuss some of that. Ian Hubbard now joins the program. Ian, in terms of the weather, I've noticed that there seems to be a bit of a divide um, in terms of the forecast for the province. The west coast in Labrador looks like they're, the next couple of days are going to be nice and sunny and pretty warm, at least uh, seasonally for, uh, for the spring. But uh, in central and here in the east, it looks rainy, wet, not exactly the warmest. Uh, just break down for us what's going on.
4: Yeah, that's exactly what's happening right now. Uh, there's a really large area of high pressure that's set up over labrador uh today and it's going to stick around for most of the week so right now uh most of labrador is under completely sunny skies and seeing some warm temperatures even some double digits happening there now uh, and over parts of the west coast there's a fair bit of sun around as well uh, with some warmer temperatures but then as you get in through central and eastern parts of the island we get away from the ridge of high pressure and we're actually into that northeast wind and that always tends to spring in some weather some drizzle Some fog, some showers, that sort of thing, and keep those temperatures cool. So that's really what we're seeing across the island right
1: now. Especially as as it relates, uh, you know, the wet uh, Labrador seeing some pretty warm temperatures right now. West coast seeing some pretty warm temperatures. Any are we close to any say records being broken?
4: Uh, it certainly looks like there's some areas, they might come within a degree or so, so we'll be keeping an eye on those during the week, especially where we do see some warmer temperatures uh, through later parts of the week as well, but for the most part, those temperatures are above normal uh, for the Labrador and western part of Newfoundland right now, and then unfortunately in all that cloud and drizzle, those ones are, are much less, We're not looking at any, anything close to records there.
1: Now, I think the big question on everyone's mind, whether you're in the part of the province that's really nice and sunny right now, or the area where the weather isn't exactly what you would want it to be, is how long is this going to stick around?
4: So this ridge of high pressure, which will be the the main dominant feature for the week, it's actually going to be around for several days. We're looking until probably later in the week until it really starts to move off. And then over uh, Newfoundland and and further out into the Atlantic, we, we keep these northeasterly winds around. And it's, it's staying pretty stagnant for most of the week, actually, uh, with probably later in the week, maybe Thursday into Friday, might see uh, a little bit cooler temperatures, maybe a bit more in terms of precipitation along the east coast and northeast coast. And unfortunately, there's also a chance of flurries in there as well. So we're going to be keeping an eye on that as we move later in the week. So really not a lot of change over the next several days.
1: And just finally, looking ahead, is there anything significant in in the forecast in terms of precipitation or winds or anything like that?
4: Uh, basically, it looks like this pattern's going to stay until the weekend, and then we're talking about later in the weekend or early next week before we see any major changes. But right now, uh, the precipitation on Friday or so that's that's our main concern. Uh, Keeping an eye, it's going to be showers. Or maybe even some flurries there. And then we'll, as we get closer to the end of the week, we'll start to narrow in on the details and, and maybe talk about any amounts we might be getting with it. But nothing too significant at this
1: point. Excellent. Ian, thank you so much for your time today, man. Really appreciate it.
4: Okay, no problem at all. You take care.
1: And there you have it. Ian Hubbard with the Gander uh, Weather Office giving us a breakdown of what we can expect across the province over the next few days. We're up against uh, news time here on News Talk on your VOCM. When we come back, Greg Pretty of the FFAW joins the program live. Stay tuned.
0: Call now, 273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM. News Talk with Linda Swain will be back in a moment. Local News Now, a VOCM News Update. This VOCM News, brought to you by the Countertop Place. You deserve the best. Let us make it happen.
5: Good afternoon. It's 2 and overcast in St. John's. I'm Sarah Strickland. Companies who process the fish say it's time for the crab fishery to start the association of seafood processors says it's not it will not negotiate further on the price the minimum price of $2.20 per pound as the bottom has dropped out of the market over the as the bottom has dropped out of the market over the past year government wants the association and the FFAW to go back to the table but fish buyers say that is not on as the price has already been set the companies, which the association represents, about 20, will be losing money at the FFAW recommended price of $350. We'll hear more from Executive Director Jeff Loader at 5 o'clock. In industry, analysts, analysts question Newfoundland and Labrador applying the pricing mechanism associated with the summer br- blend of gasoline about two weeks before most other provinces go that route. Summer blend has a different makeup to, among other things, re- reduce volatility but it is more costly. Dan Mittag, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, isn't sure why the PUB would apply the blend formula sooner than other jurisdictions. We'll hear more from Mittag during VOCM's Day in Review. And the weather, as we just heard from the Gander Weather Office. Those conditions will affect the remaining games of the Newfoundland Growlers' semifinal series against the Adirondack Thunder. All remaining games will still be played at the Mary Brown Center. However, tomorrow night's game, has been rescheduled. The first game on home ice will now be played on Thursday. Game five will take place on Sunday. And if needed, game six and seven will be played next Monday and Wednesday. People who purchase tickets for tomorrow night's game will have their tickets honored on Thursday. Fans who cannot attend or wish to attend a different game due to the rescheduling are asked to contact the Mary Brown Center box office. Up next, traffic and your VOCM weather forecast.
0: Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay, whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM.
1: And welcome back to the program. Richard Duggan in with you this afternoon, and we're going to go right into what has become the top story of the day. Um, The Association for Seafood Producers says it will not negotiate further on price. Uh, The minimum price of $2.20 per pound, has been set and uh, looks like they're not budging they're holding firm on that price they're holding firm as uh, we heard uh, in the interview just before the break as well that uh, they're saying that they will not be buying crab in the fall and now we are going to get reaction from the FFAW on this situation uh, President Greg Pretty joins the program now Greg good afternoon.
6: Hi, Richard. How are you?
1: I'm good, and I'm more interested now in how you're doing and how the FFAW is reacting to what the ASP had to say earlier today.
6: Well, you know, it's, uh, I, I'm a little confused as to what part uh, harvesters can't fish for 220, what part they don't understand. They can't fish for the 220 part. But there's a sad lack of uh, understanding or appreciation for what harvesters uh, have to go through in this province. We've been saying this now. The messaging has been from us has been solid for a month. Not economical. They would prefer to go bankrupt at the wharves of this province rather than supply those merchants with, with, with in essence, cheap crab. So there's where we are. The province tried to put the parties together on on uh, on Saturday to their credit. They're not interested in that. Of course, they're not interested in that. You know. They, they rolled the dice in, at the panel, and, and they won at 220. So they're going to stick to their guns. But, you know, we have resolve in our union. We're not going to be intimidated by those fish merchants uh, on this issue. There's a half a billion dollars missing out of this economy because of, of, of the market, and it needs attention. Uh, the regulators here have to step in, and we have to start doing a better job. So we're not going to be intimidated by that. People have made up their mind not to fish. And, you know, quite frankly, we look at this later on in the week as we see the, the market reports coming in. So it's, it is a serious issue that they've banded together and said, oh, well, we're not going to do it. We're not going to negotiate. Well, you know, that's, that's in their nature. There's nothing unusual about that. They want it as cheaply as they can get it, and they're going to have a crack at it. But I can tell you right now, people are not going to go fishing for that. Why? Because they've told us. They've told us. It's uneconomical. So I guess it'll take another couple of weeks for that to sink in uh, to those processors. That's, uh, That's the kind of trouble we're in here. And the other thing, Richard, is, you know, as we go through this crisis, it's abundantly clear to us that we need to have a crab marketing board in this province, We can no longer allow seven or eight uh, uh, processing companies to to dictate what goes on in the industry. And I'll give you a clear example because I know it's, you know, not everybody understands it. But how can these companies spend two months pumping cheap crab, dumping crab into the market at low prices and then come back to the union and say, oh, you got to fish for 220 because the market's really poor? Well, you made it poor. You did it. So we need to have a better structure. So there's where we are. And I hope, you know, when talks to the premier, we can talk about licensing, we can talk about crab marketing, but we need more transparency in this industry. And it will eventually pay off for harvesters, plant workers, and the economy of this province if we do this right. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of money here, but it can't be all one way. And as I said many times, You can't have a a situation where they, the processors, download every bit of hurt in this uh, industry, in this market price, on the backs of harvesters. Can't do it. We can't do that. We can't continue to operate like that. So there's where it is. So, yeah, it's a bit of a standoff. But uh, let's see what happens uh, towards the uh, end of the week.
1: Greg, you know... The clock is ticking here because there is only a short window in the year where um, this fishery can happen. At what point, you know, we're starting to eat into some of the time now. So, at what point does this become a lost season? Are you concerned that could happen?
6: Well, of course, everybody's concerned. Everybody who has a stake in this in this fishery is concerned. There, there, there is no question about this. So, there will come a point in time. When when the processors may just want to say, you know, let let's let's sit down. My God, imagine if that happened. Let's sit down and talk about how we go forward. Now, wouldn't that be a, a very enlightening uh, action on their part? But you know, Richard, the other thing which is linked to this, right? And I know they're trying to get people to go fishing, and they're not going to go fishing. But the, the important thing is linked to this is you'll probably remember that we spent a great deal of time this winter trying to, to to get a formula in place. And you know, why was that important in, in this winter? Well, it was important because part of that formula would have shared the risk in this fishery. And so we worked very hard to do that because that's something we could have put in place in this very dangerous year we're in. And we'd be fishing now if we had a suitable price for that uh, formula. And also we could carry that formula into the next year because odds are there will be inventory issues going into to, uh, next year. So that was a plan to share the risk. But, you know, guess who wanted no part of that, couldn't pump it, couldn't put the money in place to get that up and going. And it's just so convenient now that at the 24th of April, two weeks in, that they are now saying they got to go fishing. And it's just, uh, isn't that, isn't is that, uh, isn't that just too sweet, right? So, you know, the messaging is, you know, the province is starting to understand this thing. So, you know, if they can influence getting people together, by all means, uh, we welcome that. But in the meantime, if they, if they're really serious, if they're as serious as they put forth to the cameras to the, this afternoon and in their press release, they'll call me. And if they're not, they won't.
1: And that brings me brings to my mind, I was in the legislature a few weeks ago uh, when crab har- harvesters were up um, in the public gallery, and uh, for a while act- the proceedings in the legislature actually had to be shut down um, because of what had happened in there. It, what further actions, or I guess what happens next now from the FFAW's perspective?
6: Well, you're going to have to stay tuned for that one. Uh, that will unfold uh, during the week, but we we are anxious to see how the market does tomorrow, like every like every week, and uh, how it does on on Thursday. So let's have a look at that, and then we'll uh, we'll get uh, we'll be talking to you on the future.
1: As the head of the the FFAW, and you're representing uh, crab harvesters here to the your members who are probably very frustrated upon hearing uh, what the ASP had to say today. What do you say to them?
6: Well, you have to look at what you call frustration. Many of our harvesters anticipated that today's press conference would be a scare tactic to get them to go fishing. So that's, that's well planted out there. No question about that. And in fact, so for them, it didn't come as a surprise. Uh, there are people, uh, there are harvesters who actually said, well, you know, this, this could be a break. This could be a, the break that we need. Perhaps we'll sit down and and reach some consensus on going forward sadly that didn't happen but you know you know in newfoundland just like i heard that weather forecast a few minutes ago we all live in hope don't we
1: and there you go ffaw president greg Pretty. thank you so much for this and we'll certainly be watching uh very intently to see how things unfold over the next couple of weeks
6: Thanks, Richard. Anytime.
1: Cheers. And again, that was FFAW President Greg Pretty uh, commenting on the news conference that the Association for Seafood Producers held earlier today, and they say that they're going to hold firm on the price. They say that they won't be buying crab in the fall. So a uh, very interesting situation unfolding there. Um, we're up against break time here once again on News Talk. When we come back, uh, we're going to hear from the co-president of the Psychology Association of Newfoundland and Labrador. So stick around for that. We'll be right back.
0: Your VOCM Mornings with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays on your VOCM.
1: And welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, Linda Swain is off on vacation for the week, so thank you very much uh, again for tuning in. Um, We're going to go now. Uh, The Association of Psychology in Newfoundland and Labrador says while the number of psychologists leaving the system has stabilized, The concerns that got the industry to this point remain. It was about one year ago that the association raised the alarm over what they called a significant exodus of psychologists in this province. And uh, they sent out a news release recently. And just to give you a little bit of the numbers, um, they say that almost half of uh, their members who responded to the survey say that they're experiencing moderate to severe levels of professional burnout. And... Just about that exact same number feel that those feelings of burnout have increased somewhat or significantly. And uh, again, um, about 48% of psychologists have indicated that, yes, they have recently considered leaving their job. And 72% have recently considered leaving the public sector to go to more private positions. So some very interesting numbers there. I have invited Dr. Janine Hubbard, she's co-president of the uh, psychology association on this program now uh, to discuss some of what they learned. The association recently polled some of its members. Uh, just tell me about some of the findings.
7: Well, this is actually a follow-up from an initial uh, survey that we sent out in February of 2022 because we had at the time seen a mass exodus of psychologists from the public sector positions. So that includes healthcare, education, and post-secondary. And we really wanted to get a sense from our members as to what was happening. Why were so many people leaving their um, public sector positions? and at the Time we found out a number of factors that were influencing. Um, Surprisingly, to many, salary was ranked at about number six in terms of reasons for leaving. It was far more around the workplace environment. It was around things like um, respect and autonomy and ability to practice to scope some of the issues we've heard from some of the other healthcare professionals in the province. So, what we wanted to do this year was follow up a year later and see well, what has changed, what things might have improved, what things. uh, maybe uh, are still in need of improvement. So, where are we at? Have things
1: improved, or where do we stand?
7: well, we've found that the numbers have at least stabilized um, there's certainly been a number of incentives put in place over the last year that I think have people staying in their current positions we haven 't seen uh, you know the same rate of people leaving. However, what we are seeing is people continuing to report the same concerns about those work conditions and one of the things that 's quite concerning is that our public sector psychologists are reporting an increase in stress and workplace burnout symptoms. Um, About 50% of them are reporting they're feeling more of those than they were a year ago, and that's obviously of concern.
1: And more to that, I was reading some of the numbers that the association has put out, not only is uh, is the number 50% are experiencing moderate to severe burnout, um, but uh, about that same number are considering leaving their job and about 72%, I believe it was, saying that they're considering leaving the public sector. What do you make of those numbers?
7: Uh, those numbers um, are very concerning because fundamentally, as psychologists, we really do believe that access to a psychologist should be a right, not a privilege. We firmly believe um, that there is a need for a strong public sector presence of psychologists. Again, that's in health, that's in education, like the K to 12 system, and that's in post-secondary. Um, while there's always complementary services offered through the public, uh, sorry, through the private system, we fundamentally believe people should be able to access appropriate, evidence-based, often long-term care through the public system. And we're just seeing that um, that's not available. And that's, again, a real concern for our members.
1: And not only for members, but I mean, what what are you seeing in terms of the effect of a a lack of availability on patients.
7: Well, that's actually where it all stems from. If we thought the patients were doing okay, if we thought that a single session was meeting their needs or that there were alternative uh, services that had been provided that were meeting their needs, our members wouldn't be feeling so frustrated. And it's that frustration of knowing what clients need um, and not being able to provide that, not having that autonomy, not having um, the services available to be able to provide that Because ultimately, um, our psychologists reported they really enjoy the clinical work. They enjoy the work that they're able to do with their clients and seeing their clients benefit and move forward and make progress. And it's uh, the frustration of not – Being able to provide that in the way that they know would best benefit their clients is, I think, really frustrating. Or knowing that there's so many more people out there with needs that aren't being met. Uh, We've seen that as a result of the pandemic, that there's just been an increase in mental health issues all around. Um, And that's really frustrating.
1: Where do we go from here? What you, you mentioned that the numbers have stabilized and the news release does say that government has made some strides. What more is needed?
7: Oh, well, I think the issue is addressing some of those workplace conditions and issues, better understanding of what it is psychologists are trained to do, and making sure that they are given the room and the scope to provide those services. Um, we're quite concerned in the education system that we have a looming levels of retirement and there are no training programs at the moment currently training school psychologists to replace those people who are going to be retiring. So we're very worried about what's going to happen in the school systems moving forward.
1: Are we seeing similar trends across the country, or is this a situation that's kind of unique to Newfoundland and Labrador?
7: Um, in some ways, we are seeing trends that are consistent across the country. Um, unfortunately, uh, there's been a move away from some of the public sector positions in some provinces. In others, for example, Ontario has integrated psychologists into their primary health care units, uh, which is something that we've started to introduce in the province, but psychologists haven't been included on those teams uh, so in Ontario those are actually some very well um sought-after positions, they're well compensated, and it allows people the ability to get in and provide intervention early so that they're able to uh, provide more effective service as working as part of an interdisciplinary collaborative team. Um, so certainly that's something we'd love to see more of. Um, but it is same situation kind of as we're seeing with nurses and with physicians that there's a shortage across the country, which means we have to be uh, providing the best possible workplaces, if we want to attract new psychologists.
1: And uh, as as we were talking about, uh, you know, in in terms of what you would like to see, um, have you had any discussions with uh, Minister Osborne recently? And and how how is government? I guess, responding uh, to your concerns?
7: Uh, Minister Osborne has actually been very receptive and has met with us on a number of occasions, and so we are certainly feeling heard. Um, There have been, as I sort of said, some initiatives uh, to help short-term with uh, retention and certainly with some recruitment. Um, I think one of the things that's going to be really important, and I know it's not directly in his portfolio, but is providing better mental health support for our own psychologists Um, because we are such a small province and services are very limited. But um, because we all basically know each other or have trained each other or work collaboratively with each other, our own options for seeking out mental health supports are very, very limited. And so we need to start looking at ways to get creative and to have public sector employers get creative with how they support their own psychologists.
1: I'm just curious. How would a psychologist go about that now? Would would you have to seek someone, say, outside the province if if someone really needed, uh, if a psychologist needed to see a psychologist themselves? What options are available now?
7: Well, f- fortunately, we have an agreement within Atlantic Canada that actually even predates COVID that allows psychologists within the four Atlantic provinces to provide telehealth services. Uh, so you're quite right. Uh, a psychologist here, assuming um, you know they're well connected and are having difficulty would need to contract uh, privately with a psychologist in one of those other three provinces. Um, And certainly there are a number of people who are doing that. That's obviously expensive and um, challenging for long-term treatment, but certainly that's what a number of people have done in order to make sure that we're as healthy as we can to provide the best possible care. But that's not necessarily a sustainable long-term solution. Uh, Just that psychologists are... (sighs) excited about the work that they do with their clients. They are working hard to take care of their own mental health and their own mental health needs, um, but that there's a lot more that needs to be done to uh, maintain and uh, recruit within the uh, public sector moving forward.
1: Dr. Hubbard, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And there you have it. That was Dr. Janine Hubbard. Uh, Hubbard. Uh, she is the co-president of the Newfoundland and Labrador Association of Psychology, uh, talking about some of their concerns there in terms of um, psychologists leaving the, the profession entirely. Uh, and as she noted, um, you know the situation has sort of stabilized, but some of the concerns uh, still remain. So interesting chat there with Dr. Hubbard for sure. Um, Want to point out one thing here uh, before we uh, have to clue up here for the day because. Uh, Unfortunately, we didn't have time to play this interview, Um, but I had a lot of fun uh, talking to this lady a little while earlier today, so I want to point this out. Uh, St. John's Improv is celebrating one year of their flagship show coming up this weekend. Um, It's called the Jam Jam's Jam, and it features a rotation of improvisers making up scenes on the spot, and uh, those scenes will be inspired by music of a specific theme, Um, and in the last half of the show, audience members who put their names in a bucket will also have the chance to get up on stage with some of those performers that show is taking place um this coming saturday 8 p.m at the hub on Mary meeting road here in st john's um and i had a lot of fun speaking with improvist uh ray ann langdon a little bit earlier today about that show and just about what it's like um being on stage doing improv because you know even in situations uh, you know Improv sort of uh, pl- plays a role in radio to a degree uh, because sometimes you know I have stuff written out and you know I'm able to sort of uh, go bang 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 uh, and go through sort of some of what I have laid out but then other times you know something else else happens and you have to go completely off script and you have to just sort of play it by ear and, and I know from having to do that how stressful that can sometimes be and there's up on stage doing it in front of a big crowd and it's just incredible to get to watch um, some of the Show So unfortunately, we didn't have uh, a chance to play that uh, interview for you on today's edition of the program, but we are going to have some of that um, on the VOCM morning show this week. So please stay tuned for that. Uh, It was a really fun interview and a great chance to learn um, about the improv community here in Newfoundland and Labrador. All right, that just about does it for us today here on News Talk. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, Brian Callahan will be guest hosting for the rest of the week, so stay tuned for him at 4 o'clock for the rest of the week. For now, I'm Richard Duggan. Thanks for listening.